Okay, yeah, so today we are continuing our theme of poured out. Now then, uh, I'm going to ask you a, a question that gets, gets asked a lot. Um, is the glass half full or is it half empty? Now then, a few, a few answers there. Any, any, uh, any pessimist in the house willing to say that they think it's half empty? No, no hands going up there, no reluctant ones. Anyone say it's half full? Yeah, a few more, a few more optimists there, yeah, focusing on, on what is there. But that question is a simple analogy to see what our focus is on, isn't it? Is it the focus on the bottom half of the glass that has got the water in? Are we focusing on what we do have? Or are we focusing on the top half of the glass of actually what is missing, what we don't have? And that can be a thing in life, can't it, that often we, we can focus on the different things, focus on the things that we do have, focusing on um, the things that we don't have. And Natalie's mentioned there that um, it seems to be fitting in this morning quite well of actually thinking about what God has given us, but in life it can be so easy for each and every one of us, can't we, to focus on actually I don't have that, on the things I'm missing out on, on the things that I wish I did have, but I don't. And people in our worlds that, that can often um, seem like they have a glass that's pretty full. That from a worldly view, they seem to have everything that they need. Might be people very well off, very wealthy, millionaires, billionaires, that they've got the house, they've got the house in the holiday house as well, they've got the cars they want, they've got all the holidays they can dream of, they've got everything that they need in this world. But still, we often hear stories of people like that, don't we, where they come to them and they say, actually, I still didn't feel fully fulfilled. Or there's still something missing in their lives. There's still that yearning for wanting that bit extra. On the other side, often we can hear about people that it seems like, from a worldview, they have very, very little. It seems like they have very few possessions, very little money, living in maybe kind of poverty. But through conversation, you meet people and and they come across with an incredibly thankful, incredibly grateful heart that they're not focusing on what they don't have, but they are simply very, very grateful for the things that they do have. We're going to look a bit at that at this morning and focus on a story about a woman that seems like she's in that position. Seems like she's in a place where she has very, very few things and very, very little. We're believing that in this story that there's going to be some things that can really challenge us, really help us as we look at this as well. So we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 to 7. So 2 Kings 4, 1 to 7, it's on the screen as well for you to, to follow on if you've not got your Bibles with you. It's a, it says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. You know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? The servant has nothing here at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. 
And that is an incredible story, isn't it? Um, the way that God provides for this woman, that her, her husband was a, a man of God. He has now died, but left her in this place um, of, of debt. Uh, and where the, the people coming to, to collect this debt, they're going to take away her sons uh, to take her slaves to pay off, off this debt. Um, but she, she comes to Elisha the prophet uh, and this incredible miracle happens, doesn't it? This incredible miracle of provision, um, of, of anointing. That, that In this story, that it's, it's oil that she pours into these jars. And if we, we know and read in the Old Testament that the oil is significant because it represents God's anointing. It represents God and set something, set something apart for his purposes. As David was anointed, he was come to be anointed as the next king, that he was anointed with oil because his life was being set apart. His life was being anointed in that way for God's purpose and for God to be used in an incredible way. So it's an incredible miracle that happens here. This, uh, this story asks us some great questions, I think, that we're going to look at um, this morning. So a few questions for hopefully us to think about and it'll challenge us uh, as well. First question is, where do you go first? Where do you go first? And in times of desperation, we'll probably all have different people um, that we will go to for help. But depending on what it is, it'll be the different people we turn to. But I think this says about the people we go to, it says a lot about our relationships, doesn't it? That often it's maybe the people that are closest to us, the ones that we'll go to in times of need. Uh, we think of our children. As Natalie mentioned, they want lots of things. Our children, if they ever need money for anything growing up, they come to their parents to ask for that money. Um, I remember when I was growing up as a, as a child, I didn't get pocket money. Um, so if I wanted something, I had to go and ask each time that if I wanted money for something, if I wanted some sweets or if I wanted a new toy or I wanted something like that, I had to go and ask my parents each time. Uh, the supermarkets are very clever, aren't they? They'll have that stand in the, in the queues um, at the supermarkets where it's just got all the chocolate bars and the sweets and stuff on, knowing that there'll be children stood there with the parents parents that just want to get an extra chocolate bar while the queuing up while they stood waiting uh, to go through the cashier. And very often I'd be like, yeah, can I have, can I have a Mars bar? Can I have a Milky Way? And my mum would be, no, we've got chocolate bars at home. Every time, no, we've got those at home. No, we've got those at home. Okay. Till the point where I, would, I think I gave up asking. Um, but par- children will go to their parents when they want something because the parents have got the money. The parents are able to buy the things that they want. It can be when our children get hurt, can't it? When they, they trip over, they cut the knee, they, uh, they end up in tears, they, they run to their parents because they want that hug, they want that comfort, they want them to make it better, don't they? For us as we get older, there might be certain things that we, uh, we, we need or times of trouble when we're not sure what to do. Uh, we all go to the, the font of all knowledge, don't we? Google to, uh, to, see, uh, to find the answers, to find the help that we need. And if Google can't help, then we're all in trouble, aren't we? We all have these different places we go when we're in times of need. I think there's three things that can determine where we go in these times. The first one is our relationship with people, how close we are to that person. There might be certain situations when you're going through in your life that you have someone, it might be your husband or wife, it might be one of your parents, it might be your best friend, that you turn to these people because you trust them implicitly, because you know that they will be there for you, you know that they will listen to you, they know that if they can help in any way, that you will. So it might be because of your, your trust and your relationship with them. Second reason might be because they are competent and they are skilled. There's certain practical things that you want somebody that is skilled to be able to help you with it. If your car breaks down or there's something goes wrong in your house, you don't want someone that's just willing to have a go, do you, to come and fix it, to come and have a look at it. You want someone that is skilled and knows what they're talking about and knows what they're doing. 
So you want someone that's competent. And lastly, that people's availability. We can often go to people because we know that they will come and they'll be willing to help. We might have the best relationship with someone, they might be the most skilled person in the world, but if they live on the other side of the world, it's pointless ringing them up to come and help you change your flat tyre, isn't it? It's down to availability as well. Now considering these, these three factors, it's surprising that often we don't go to God first in a lot of our situations. That not thinking about the practical things in our world, but actually the things that we face on a day-to-day, the, the issues, that, the troubles that we go through in our world, so often we never pray to God about them. We never give them to God. But God is our Father. God loves us so much. We should trust him with, with everything in our world and have that faith and that closeness to him in our relationship. Our God is competent. He is fully able to do whatever it is. That this story we read about an incredible miracle, that whatever it is we're facing in our world, God is a miracle working God. He can be any illness, He can be any sickness, any lack, any need we have, that our God is able to come through in that. And the last one, availability, that our God is always there with us. He's never going to abandon us. He's never going to forsake us. He's never going to leave us. Our God is always able and available to be there with us. Now in this story, the woman seeks first the man of God. In the Old Testament, that was the way people would, would speak to God or go to God, that they go to the prophets and the, and the priests in that way. And this first thing this woman does in this situation is she goes to the prophet, to the man of God, to help her. She could have gone to uh, the people that she owed this money to, <clears throat> her family. She could have gone to them and argued with them and pleaded with them, saying, can you give me more time? Can we do this another way than taking my sons off me? But instead she said, no, I'm going to go to God first, believing that he was her provider. He is the miracle worker in that situation. Think about your world. Think about your life in the moment. Is there any things that you're facing that you've been struggling with maybe for a time, but you've never actually handed them over to God? You've never turned to God first and said, God, actually, is there something you want to do in this situation? Is there something you want to bring breakthrough? Is there something you want to do and change in my life in this season? Think about where are you turning first in life? In those times of need, where do you turn first? The second question is, what have you got? What have you got? Now this whole situation comes about because this woman is in need because of what she hasn't got. She hasn't got the money to pay off her debt. She, she's lost her, her husband. Her sons are about to be taken away from her. It's all about this, this point of her life and worldly view is a complete position of lack and what she hasn't got. Now, as we know, it's so easy to, to, to think about and, and want what we don't have. However much it is, there's always something else, isn't there? There'll always be someone that's got a slightly faster car than you. There'll always be someone with a slightly bigger house. There'll always be someone with a slightly better job. Someone with a slightly newer phone. Whatever it is, we can never fully be satisfied if that is the way that we live our life. Our focus can easily be on the things that we lack. But when we have that attitude of thinking what I don't have, it creates an excuse mentality. It always becomes our excuses. In whatever way that is, it can be with, oh, I don't have time to do that. I don't have uh, the energy to do that. I don't have the space to do that. I don't have the money to be able to do that. I don't have the skills to do that. I'm not good enough to do that. But often God is asking us the question, oh, actually, what do you have What do you have? It's not about what you don't have that you can make excuses for. But God asks the question, no, what do you have? What do you have in your hand that you can use? 
Uh, Matthew 25 talks about the parable of the talents. This is a perfect illustration uh, of this story. This master goes away and he leaves his three servants different amounts of talents. Two of them go away, they they use it, they double it and he comes back. But the the one, um, he's given one talent and he he comes back and he's like, what have you done with it? And he's like, oh, he comes back with his excuses. I thought you'd be mad or um, I didn't want to lose it, I didn't want to squander it. So I just buried it away and didn't do anything with it. That his, his, because he had that lack mentality of what he didn't want to lose, he comes back with excuses. For us, let's never be in a place where God asks us to, to do something. We want to be obedient to what God's saying, but we come back with excuses. No, I, I didn't have the time for that, or I didn't have the money for that, or I, I don't think I'm good enough to do that. And we can come up with all those excuses, but, but God's saying, no, 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 what do you have? I'm not asking you to, to use something you've not got. I'm not asking you to, to step out in an area that you don't have. I'm asking you to use what you do have. If you want to be generous, be generous with the, the money that you do have. If you want to be served, be served with the time that you do have. Never let's have that excuse mentality because we're always looking at what we don't have instead of what we do. God wants to do something incredible things through your life that it's not there isn't a select few people that God wants to use for his kingdom that God wants to use for his plans and purposes God wants to use every single one of us is an incredible way to further his kingdom to bring miraculous transformation to the people and the lives around us it's for every single one of us to step out in now it starts with one step of obedience it starts with one step of looking at things well what do I have This woman answered, I've got one little jar of oil. For you, it might be some time. It might be some money. It might be a skill that you've got. You can think, actually, I can use that for God's purposes. It might be that you need to change some things around and say, actually, I can make a little bit of time here that means I can serve in this area. Or I can can go and spend some time with that person I know would need needs a coffee or I was hurting in this time. Think about your world. Think about what do you have that you can use that God can, can bring transformation and change to people's lives around us. <clears throat> In that story, the parable of the talents, you realise that when these people are trusted with a little bit, then the master gives them more to look after. For each and every one of us, we can look and think, God can't use me to do anything amazing. God can't use me to do anything big. But it starts with just one step of obedience. That little thing saying, well, what do you have? What can you use? What's one conversation you can have? What's one bit of generosity you can do? What's one way you can serve in our world? So first question, where do you go first? Do we turn to God? Secondly, what have you got that you can use? The third question is, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Now Elijah says to this woman, ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, then put them to one side. Now this um, story here, what Elisha tells this woman, he tells her incredibly what is going to happen. He says, you need to go and collect jars. You're going to pour oil into all of these jars. And then it comes down to this question of faith. This woman to go, okay, now how big is my faith? Do I believe God could fill two jars? Do I believe he could fill five jars? Do I believe he could fill ten? And we don't know the exact number of jars that she was willing to collect. But we know she had incredible faith because she thought, right, I'm going to collect as many jars as I can. And God filled every single one of them, enough to pay off all her debts and for her then to live off after that as well. 
Now, there's an interesting story, the following chapter. This is 2 Kings 4. In 2 Kings chapter 5, there's a similar moment where someone comes to Elisha and they want a miracle. They're in a time of need. Uh, This is Naaman. Now, Naaman has got leprosy. So he comes and Elisha gives him an instruction, um, a a slightly strange one. As as this um, woman, he gave this slightly strange instruction to go and collect loads of empty jars. But he gives Naaman an instruction to go uh, and wash in the Jordan River seven times. And there's a different response here from these two different people. So the woman, she's like, yeah, I'm going to go and collect as many jars as I can. Naaman has a completely different response. He's like, go washing in a river. He's like, and he has a completely different expectation of what he should have been asked to do. He's expecting Elisha to come over to him, to come to him and pray for him and, and heal him and be there in person. But Elisha just sent this message to him to go and wash in the river seven times. And Naaman so nearly misses out on this miracle. It's not until his servants actually say to him, no, 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 this is what you've been told to do. Do you not want to be healed in this way? And he so nearly misses out on his miracle because he's not willing to follow the obedience and to have the faith in what God's word is. The limiting factor for this miracle of this oil being poured out in all these jars, um, it wasn't the amount of oil. God didn't run out of oil, it was the amount that the woman was able to collect. Whether that was down to the, the limiting factor of her faith, if she got as many jars as he thought he could fill, all the many jars as she could collect. But it wasn't down to God's provision, it wasn't down to God's measure, it was up to the woman and what she was able to provide. What a great challenge that is for us in our worlds and our lives. Actually, the, the limit of what God wants to do in and through us isn't the limit on God. It's the limit of our capacity, of our availability for him. And the jars, the jars had to be empty. I wonder if any of her neighbours had jars of oil that were like half full. And she went and asked for them and says, can I have all your jars? And they're like, well, this one's got some oil in it. It's like, well, they need to be empty. Do we pour that oil out and get rid of it so I can have an empty one? I would love to know what these conversations were like with her neighbours when she's saying, no, these jars need to be empty. But it had to be empty for God to be able to fill it. For us in our worlds, that there's got to be an emptiness in our hearts, an emptiness in our lives that say, God, we want you to work, we want your blessing, we want you to work in and through our lives. It's not about what we fill our lives with and what we do, but it's the emptiness for God to use and emptiness for God to fill. In this story, it's the, it's the obedience, it's the level of faith that the woman had and the empty vessels that were able to be offered that enabled God to pour out his blessing, to pour out his anointing in this story. Think about your life. Think about your, your world. Are any of these reasons for you that are stopping God, pouring out his blessing and stopping him working in and through your life? Are you being obedient to God in everything he asks of you? Even if it, it looks a bit strange, Collecting empty jars when you've got no oil seems like an odd thing to do. Going washing in a river, uh, a dirty river, to be healed of leprosy seems like an odd thing to do. Often God can ask us to go and prompt us to go and have those conversations with people maybe we've never spoken to before. Ask us to step out in certain ways in faith when it doesn't seem like the obvious thing to do. When it doesn't make sense. But still, God wants to use us. God wants to bless us. God wants to anoint what we're doing for his purposes, for his glory. 
The woman was still obedient right till the end. Even after she's, she's seen her miracle, she could think, that's it, I've got it, I've got it all now, I know what to do. But she still comes back to Elisha at the end and says, I've, I've done that now, now what is next? I still want to be obedient to you. Even though it seems obvious, Elisha might have had a different plan, but he says, no, yeah. Next thing is, go and sell all these to pay off your debts and live on what is left. Even in the good times of our life, it's still right to be obedient when we've seen God's provision. Still be obedient in what God is calling us to do. If the band would like to come back up now. Church, if you want to stand uh, as well. This story is an incredible story, isn't it? Of, of God's blessing of his anointing being poured out on someone's life. Because they're simply willing to be obedient to, to him. And we come back to this, this glass that's, that's half full. And this can look like a lot of our lives, can't it? We can, we can live our life in, in a way where we're trying to get our glass to be as full as possible. That we think about it, we think about, actually, if I want fulfillment in my life, if I want everything to be as I want it to be, then I, I, I've got to have the, the house I want, we might have the, the car we want, we might have the job we want. We might have the family, we might have every single thing that we think about. Yeah, if, if I get all these things, I think my life will be pretty full. Now, God might be part of that as well or not. It might be that we got to a point in our life in the past and realised, actually, I've not got that fulfilment and that was where we found God. Or we might look at it and think, yeah, God will top it up, the rest, whatever is missing. God's, God's that bit on top that makes sure that the glass is full and tops it up at the end. But I, I want to encourage us this morning to, to approach God in a completely different way and with a completely different question. That actually, are you willing to come to God and say, God, here is an empty vessel, here is an empty glass that I want you to fill. It's not about our desires, our wants, the things that we say, God, can, can I fill these up? And then you just top it up at the end or you make sure that I've got that fulfillment. But actually, we come to God with an empty heart, an empty vessel that says, God, Will you fill it? Will you use me for your plans and your purposes? Will you show me the, the blessings and the, the things that you want to do in my life that will pour out on the people around me as well? The question is this morning, church, do you have an empty vessel that you're willing to offer to God? An empty vessel that you're willing to say, God, will you take it? Will you use it? Will you bless it? Will you anoint it for your kingdom, for your purposes? We've heard this morning that everything we have comes from God. We came to this earth with, with nothing that, uh, as God pours out his blessing on each one of us, that that is where the, God's promises come to pass. Some incredible verses in the Bible that, that show us this. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. John 10.10, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. We don't need to worry about whether our glasses half full, if it's half full, if it's half empty, if it's near the top, if it's near the bottom. But actually, God's asking us, saying, do you have an empty, an empty vessel that I want to use, that I want to fill, that I want to pour out my blessing on your life? It might look for you in, in different ways that you, you're trying to fill that glass up yourself. But God's saying, what have you got? 
What have you got in your hand to offer me? What have you got that you can serve me with, that you can give, that you can be generous with? What have you got that you can can share with the world that is not for your plans and purposes, it's not for your wants and gains, but it's actually to offer to God and say, God, will you fill it? Will you use it? Will you bless it? And will you anoint it? We're going to take communion now as uh, the band leaders in worship. And communion reminds us obviously what Jesus did on the cross for each and every one of us. That Jesus went to that place, completely poured out his own life for each and every one of us so that we could have that life to the full. That he paid the, the debt for all of our sins, that everything we owe, that he wiped that clean so we can live in complete freedom. We can live in a place where we are blessed by God and what he did for each and every one of us. So as you come and take communion now, um, just remember that. Maybe it's a time for you to open up your heart and say, God, I want to empty my heart of all the, the desires, the things that I've wanted on my life and say, God, I want my life to be yours. I want it to honour you. I want it to glorify you in every way that we can. Thank you.